Defended by Simmons. Is this the tiger? Battleborn Phantom. Hello, and welcome to the first ever episode of the Battleborn Eds podcast. I'm your host, Joshua Insamo, here from the Battleborn Fan Talk Network, talking to you about the best team in Major League Soccer, your Toronto FC. Now, before I start the first ever episode, um, I just want to let you guys know that usually uh, my co-host, Mike Pantalone, um, who's going to be with me uh, as we start this journey with uh, you know this podcast about our favorite soccer team, uh, he's not able to be here um, recording with me today. Uh, due to some close contacts and COVID-19 regarding uh, the Battleborn Fan Talk Network. So he is unfortunately out for this podcast, but hopefully he's here for the next one. Uh, we're going to be moving to an online uh, virtual recording uh, moving uh, forward uh, just for the time being until COVID uh, kind of calms down a bit. So uh, just give us some time with that. But usually um, Mike Pantalone, who's got soccer experience and uh, you know, has been a Toronto FC fan for his whole life. Uh, and then also my uh, part-time co-host, Tarek Solomon, who also has, uh, you know, some high-level soccer experience uh, with myself. Uh, we were teammates for a very long time. Uh, due to COVID-19, he also cannot be here to record, but he should be here moving forward as well. So now that we got that out of the way, it is time to talk about your Toronto FC. Uh, Toronto FC um, such a powerhouse in Major League Soccer the last couple of years had such an underwhelming season. Uh, the team finished with a record of six, eighteen, and ten. Uh, they finished thirteenth in the East and second last in the league. This uh, team was not very fun to watch at all. I'm sure uh, lots of you guys listening to this, uh, you know that those first couple minutes of a game, uh, the Reds would be trailing already, you know, a couple goals. And um, honestly, this is probably uh, the most frustrated. I've been with the team since uh, the Julio Cesar and Defoe era. Um, obviously, I had so much uh, ex- expectation uh, going into this year. You know, I thought with the young talent uh, that TFC had, this team really could have had, uh, you know, not maybe a finals appearance in them, but I think they could have been a playoff team for sure. Uh, but they had a lot of young talent, so you got to give them the good, the ups and downs. Um, so hopefully next season. There's a lot more to come. But moving forward, uh, the offense just wasn't there. It was lost. Uh, Toronto FC couldn't score. Uh, in my opinion, I don't think there was enough buildup from the back. Usually in the uh, Toronto FC teams prior that were so good in the MLS, we saw you know plays from the back building up to the front and uh, holding on to the ball. And you know probably the best way to score um, in terms of you know play style of that team. Uh, this year, we just really didn't see that. It was uh, unorganized at times, and it was really hard to watch. Remember, I actually shut off my TV a couple times throughout the game. It was really frustrating to watch this year because, you know, they set such a high standard the last couple of years. And then watching the soccer they played this season, or football, however you call it, it was just so frustrating. And um, honestly, like I said, I haven't been this frustrated since the Julio Cesar and Defoe era. And uh, it was a little bit hard to... Uh, cope with you know because I thought that maybe you know we might have been heading back into the wrong direction like we did in our past uh, when the team was relatively new 
But uh, the way the offseason's uh, looking so far, I think Toronto SC is on the right track to uh, being a playoff team for sure going into the next season, if not an MLS Cup contender. So moving on, uh, the team was top 10 in passing, but amongst the worst in crossing and shots. So uh, there was no real aerial threat. Uh, the headers uh, were not there as they were in previous seasons. I know a lot of people might overlook that, but um, Toronto FC was such a dangerous team because offensively they could beat you on the ground, but also, you know, uh, aerially. And uh, Altidore was a huge part of that and uh, many other uh, attackers uh, we used to have in this club. Uh, but this season, it, was just, it just wasn't there. And, you know, when you have a team that has no real aerial threat, it kind of limits... Uh, your weapons and stuff you can do on offense. And I think that was a huge problem um, going into this year. Obviously, at the end of the year, uh, Schafflenberg uh, was really good with uh, crossing the ball in. And I know it was so late in the season, but um, I think Schafflenberg is pretty good on the left side, especially when he plays a high offensive role like that. And uh, I think TFC needs a main aerial threat um, going into the next season so that we can have both um, – you know, weapons on the ground and in the air because a lot of goals can come through the air, right? Like a lot of clutch time headers that we saw during those championship seasons and final seasons. Um, you know, a lot of the plays uh, with the ball going up uh, through the middle were very crucial to this team. And I think it just, you know, just shakes defenders off. They got to worry about so much more the opposition. They got to plan for a lot more. Um, and I think if we do add the players that we're going to be talking about later on in this episode, uh, this team can be extremely dangerous once we develop an aerial threat. So, uh, moving on. What happened to TFC's home field being a juggernaut? Uh, they started off the season in the USA. Uh, they came home too late, in my opinion. Uh, the season was already over. Uh, the COVID capacity also was a, like a factor in that, too. Um, fans, I think, were also disappointed. And, you know, uh, I don't think they really had much... Uh, motivation to go to the games because clearly what we saw on tv was uh definitely not promising and by the time they came back to canada it was almost as if the season was over already even though it wasn't uh so you know bemo field i expect to be a powerhouse next summer uh, especially if the covid lockdown restrictions are eased off i know right now it's in a dangerous situation with how scotia bank arena is going back to 50 percent capacity but when bemo field is full and it's that summer environment that place is a hard place to play in when you're the opposition in the away team. So I'm looking forward to getting back to BMO and uh, it being a powerhouse atmosphere because those days in the summer are unmatched. Those are the best days ever since I was a kid. There's nothing better than going to BMO Field in the summertime with the crowd in it. And, you know, it's just great vibes all around. So I'm really hoping we see that this summer. Uh, now, you know, that was kind of, uh, you know, cleaning house. Uh, to start off the episode, but now it's time to get into departures. Uh, people who have left uh, Toronto FC this offseason so far. So starting off with the biggest one, uh, GM Ali Curtis. Uh, he has decided to leave the club and join the new MLS Pro Lower Division League. Um, Ali left because, in my opinion, I think uh, you know his family moved back to the USA during the pandemic, and I think uh, he wanted to reunite with them. He also said that in a quote in one of the articles I read. I don't remember the exact one to give him credit, but I know he said something amongst the lines that, um, you know, he just wanted to reunite with his family after being uh, overseas, well, across the border from them. Uh, so, you know, Ali, when he came here, uh, that was 
around the same time as the end for Jovinko. Uh, obviously, you know, as I'm going to talk about later in this episode, Gio now wants to come back. Uh, so, Curtis, um, you know, he did a lot of great things for the club. Um, you know, I wasn't happy with how his start uh, was. But, you know, letting Gio go was definitely um, very tough to, you know, get over and uh, forgive for that. But, he brought in Pozuelo, and this team did a lot of good things. Uh, but like you know, besides this year, this team was actually a really good football team, or soccer team, however you call it. Again, uh, so you know, credit to him. Uh, I just want to say thank you to him for whatever he, uh, you know he's done for us, and um, you know, I hope he uh, gets a job back in the MLS because I know he's still in the MLS uh, technically, but in the lower division. Uh, job, but I think he was a really good general manager, and I really think a team in America could use his experience now, and he's still relatively young, so I think he can do a really good job learning from this and building a contender out somewhere in America. Um, so moving on from that, interim head coach Javier Perez was let go after taking over for Armas uh, in the middle of the season. That was probably expected. As we know, TFC did find a new manager, and uh, he was hired... Uh, relatively early in the offseason we'll get to that soon but uh you know javier stepped in he started off all right and then it just went back to the same uh armas i don't know if i should use the word garbage for it but uh whatever we were watching was definitely not pretty or good looking soccer at all it was so hard to watch and i know i've said that multiple times on this episode but it was just a pain you know it was a real pain it felt like back in the old days before we even got uh you know the names we did uh, when Toronto FC soccer was at its lowest. Uh, so then Toronto FC decides to let go of Omar Gonzalez, uh, Eric Zavaleta, and Patrick Mullins. So most of these were expected. They also let go of a couple of Division Two players uh, like uh, Rocky Romeo. But, um, you know, Omar Gonzalez uh, was a player that I found when he came to Toronto. I really liked his play. I think he was really poised at the back. Uh, he was solid. He added. He added a TFC, like he gave TSC another uh, option to play in the middle of the defense. Um, you know, he had a really, I guess, uh, successful um, start to his TFC career. And then as he aged and got injured, and uh, you know, picked up a couple injuries along the way, it kind of just went backwards. And he just never really found his form again after a while, and uh, translated into him now being, you know out of the club. Uh, but I want to thank Omar for everything he did for this team. Uh, one of my favorite players when he came over, honestly, uh, I know it was a very short uh, time period, but uh, in those brief, like when he first came over in that brief end to the season, I really liked his play. And uh, so I know things didn't finish the way we probably would have hoped, but I do want to thank Gonzalez for his work. Uh, now for Zavaleta and Mullins, I don't think there's as much to be said for them. I do want to thank them for their services. They were both uh, good in their, you know, certain times. But, uh, you know, I think it's good that TFC is cleaning, um, you know, their house here and shipping out players that are movable and letting uh, go because we cannot have the same product we did last year. So with that, um, we also lost, uh, well, soon to lose, Josie Altador and um, Josie Altador is a big subject because obviously he was a player that meant so much to the city of Toronto 
and um, honestly, my favorite player. I remember as, uh, when I was younger, you know, um, definitely uh, was so fun to watch, and the way he was just able to get off defenders and find the little cracks that Jovinka would leave open for him. Uh, that duo was just amazing, and now to see Josie go, well, soon to go, it's it's definitely difficult to kind of uh, you know take in the next season Toronto FC is going to be without him but you know as all good things come to an end I do want to thank Josie for his services here and he will forever hold a special place in my heart as he was a huge part to winning our first MLS Cup and that goal is just constantly replaying in my head right now as I'm talking against Seattle and um, you know it's he's just such a special player and when he came over uh, it really set a new tone of the franchise and him and Jovinko just gave everything to the club, to the city. And he really embraced, uh, embraced being, you know, a Toronto FC player. And I can't thank him enough for that. And he was such a class on and off the field. Um, really nice guy. Always used to take pictures and, you know, sign jerseys whenever I saw him on the way out of BMO field. And, uh, you know, now that this is coming to an end, uh, I can't thank him enough. And, I think he deserves to be called a TFC legend. I know some people are extremely disappointed with how he ended his tenure here. Uh, lots of injuries and stuff like that. But he definitely deserves to go onto the wall of honor because he was heck of a player for Toronto. And same with Jovinko. So now as we go through Josie, uh, I want to get into the Jefferson Soteldo rumors. Uh, Soteldo uh, is apparently being looked at by Sao Paulo. Uh, Sao Paulo wants him on a one-year loan right now. Toronto FC just wants Soteldo uh, to go on a permanent. Uh, honestly, I can't see Sao Paulo changing their minds. They seemed pretty, uh, you know, set in stone on, an, on, a, on a loan deal. Uh, the other day, I remember reading a report where it said that the team was uh, only looking for a loan and that the talks with Toronto FC went quiet. Uh, Toronto FC... I guess, wants to move on from Soteldo after this year. Uh, I don't think he was a total failure, but it definitely wasn't what they hoped. And uh, this definitely means they have big plans. And that makes sense with the rumors about a couple other players I'm going to touch on in a bit. But uh, Soteldo to Sao Paulo is apparently very realistic uh, because there's a player that Toronto FC is looking at uh, in return. So I'll touch on that in a sec. But Soteldo... To Sao Paulo FC, um, the rumors are true. The, apparently, the clubs have negotiated, but uh, Toronto FC wants a permanent transfer. Uh, Sao Paulo, uh, Sao Paulo only wants a, a loan deal. So, moving on, now it's time for the fun part: the additions that Toronto FC made. Uh, starting off with head coach and uh, sporting director Bob Bradley. So, Michael Bradley's dad uh, was brought in. He is a three-time MLS Coach of the Year winner. Uh, 1998, 2006, and 2019. Uh, he's an MLS Cup winner as well in 1998. Uh, Supporter Shield in 2019. Uh, he is a U.S. Open Cup winner in 1998, 2000, and also a CONCACAF Gold Cup in 2007 winner. So, you know, definitely a lot of winning under his belt. I love this hire. I think he is a fantastic coach, and he really knows Major League Soccer well. Uh, we saw what he did with LAFC. Obviously, he has a relationship with Michael, our captain. So, uh, I think his style of play, um, obviously, we're going to need some changes to personnel here in Toronto. Uh, maybe a change in goal, maybe. 
He likes his high-tempo kind of play, which I think is really good to, to fit this Toronto team, uh, especially with the pieces they want to bring in. So I'm really excited for this hire. I think Bob has a lot of experience that can help uh, this Toronto FC team that has so many young players, and he did such a good job out in L.A. with his young talents. So players that are you know a little younger and don't have the experience as uh, most of the other players on the team, I really think this is a good hire for that because I really think he can take them to the next level and uh, make them, you know, really effective early on instead of waiting a couple years from now. So with that, TFC also brought in veteran defender uh, Shane O'Neill. This was obviously, you know, a depth uh, signing. I think he could actually start right away. I think he's a pretty solid MLS veteran. Uh, We saw what he did with Seattle. So he could probably be uh, in the 11 right now. Obviously, uh, we have a lot of holes to plug in and fix, but Shane is a solid player. Definitely not your fastest, but he is uh, really poised and strong at the back. And definitely, Toronto uh, can use any kind of defensive pieces that we can get. So I look forward to seeing Shane uh, in the preseason and training camp. I think he's going to be a big part for this club. Like I said, I think he could start in this 11 right now. Uh, so I'm really excited to see what O'Neill can bring. He is the first player that Toronto FC has added so far this offseason. So the player that I was talking about in the Soteldo rumors to Sao Paulo is uh, Rodrigo Nestor. So Nestor is a young stud, uh, center defensive mid, who's 21 years old, and he's rumored to be in that swap with Soteldo. A lot of clubs are interested in Rodrigo. Uh, he's a fantastic young player that uh, really does his job well. And with his age at 21 and with how well he's played in over uh, in Brazil, you know, a lot of teams, even from Europe, are interested. So uh, Toronto FC can get a deal and bring back Rodrigo. Uh, This would be huge for the club. Uh, Definitely a step in the right direction. Uh, You know, this is a guy that, like I said, many teams want. So he clearly has the talent. And at that young age, uh, I would love this. So go ahead. Bring in Rodrigo. I think he suits this team perfectly. Um, obviously, Toronto sees a lot of vets, but uh, going into next year with Bob Radley, like I said, he's so good with young talent, and I think he can really turn Rodrigo into an MLS star, and I think this is a really beneficial deal from Toronto, especially if they bring back Giovinco. Now, this is the next topic I want to touch up on. Giovinco has made it known himself that he wants to come back to Toronto. Uh, he sat down in an interview with I think it was somebody from Sportsnet. I think it was Laura Armstrong to be exactly. And uh, she wrote an article on it. So, you know, he was just talking about how uh, obviously the way he left the club and how he wanted to restore relationships and hopefully come back to Toronto. Um, He also talked about how his position, a lot of people are saying, well, you know, Javinko's done. He's old. Obviously, his contract was terminated with Al-Halal. But, um, you know, he said, my goals uh, weren't really there. This isn't an exact quote. I'm just what I'm remembering from the article. Uh, but he said he played in a deeper position, uh, not where he played in Toronto. And that's why his goals are down. But he said that uh, he really wants to come back to the team. I think it was around $4 million, he said, or something uh, similar like that, on a $4 million uh, deal. Uh, and to play in this top you know, striker position, he said he would love to play with Pozuelo. So... Um, Obviously, I can't give the exact quotes, um, but if I'm, I'm just thinking, if he does come back, what does that mean for Lorenzo Insigne? 
And that is a player that a lot of people think that, you know, Toronto is seeking the most, which I agree. I think Toronto right now and uh, Bill Manning and the rest of the management team, they have Insigne as the number one target. Uh, apparently, Insigne has agreed to the economic part of the deal and him and Toronto FC uh, have reached an agreement, but now it's going to be up to him uh, himself if he wants to come over or if Napoli is going to give him that extension. Obviously, he's the captain right now over at Napoli and he's a fantastic footballer, but he's a player that likes to hold onto the ball. He likes to drive the play. He likes to be involved. So when you have Insigne and you hold on to Pozuelo, who also plays that kind of same mold where you know, he wants to hold the ball and be involved in the same play. Uh, both offensive players. And then you add Chovinko, who almost does the exact same as those guys. Uh, you kind of put yourself in a situation where it doesn't make sense. So I think if Toronto FC brings in Insigne, I don't think we see Jovinko making his return. But I think if Toronto FC failed to reach an agreement with Insigne, um, and Insigne stays with Napoli, I think we could see maybe Rodrigo Nestor come in, and then we have Jovinko, and then, uh, you know, this team could, for sure, be an MLS Cup contender. I think they're a playoff contender for sure. Uh, but I just can't see how Insigne, Pozuelo, and Jovinko all fit into one team. Obviously, Bra uh, Bob Bradley is a veteran coach, and I'm sure he knows how to come up with any kind of system, but that just doesn't make sense to have all three of the same players on the pitch at the same time. So my most realistic thing, I think probably what happens here is Solteldo stays and Toronto FC brings in Jovinko and Astor goes to, you know, a different club, but uh, that's not what I'm hoping for. I just think that's the most realistic, but if Insigne comes over, um, you know, I'm buying my Jersey right away. Insigne is a fantastic footballer. And it seems that there's actually a real possibility. Apparently he agreed to the economic parts of the deal yesterday. I read uh, over a report in uh, Italy. So it's going to be up to him at the end of the year with Napoli to see what he decides. Uh, obviously he is the captain, like I mentioned. So if they just want to move on from him without giving him an extension, then so be it. We will gladly take him. He's still relatively young. I know a lot of people are saying, oh, MLS retirement league, blah, 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 all that stuff. No, Lorenzo can ball. He's a fantastic player, one of my favorite players, uh, such an offensive threat, and he would rock Major League Soccer. And, uh, you know, I just think him with Pozuelo teamed up and we get, you know, maybe a cheaper option at the top, wow, this team could be special. And especially if we can get rid of Soteldo and bring back Nestor, I think, you know, that's really something there. And I think this team has a real chance of competing for the MLS Cup. Obviously, I'm okay with keeping Soteldo. I think Soteldo is, uh, you know, not overhated, but I think he uh, deserves more credit. He came over midway through the year. Uh, Armas left, and Javier Perez's system didn't really, you know, kind of suit his style. I think Bob Bradley can definitely find a structure for this Toronto FC team to make this team, you know, a lot more effective, and I think Soteldo can be a huge part of that. So, obviously, I'm excited for the way Toronto FC is going towards right now. I think they're moving in the right direction. Um... Obviously, without Ali Curtis, this is a whole new Toronto FC team we're going to get. Uh, like I said earlier on in the episode, I wish Ali the best. Uh, this Toronto FC team is going to be much different without Josie. And I want to thank Omar Gonzalez for everything he's done as well, as long with uh, Eric Zavaleta and Patrick Mullins. Um, but I'm excited for the future. So stay tuned um, on the Battleborn Fan Talk Network. I'll be talking to you guys again next week about Toronto FC, uh, hopefully with my co-hosts. Um, 
thank you guys all for listening and let's hope our Toronto FC get back to form next season because I cannot wait for BMO Field when hopefully COVID is all under control and we can all sit with 40,000 people in the stands and cheer on our Reds. Thank you for listening. Have a wonderful day. Thank you.